Well, good morning and welcome to Alpine Church. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm one of the teaching pastors here and just honored to be with you here at our Leighton campus. Uh, for those of you who are watching online, super excited to have you here with us today as well as we are in uh, the fifth week of our series, The Jesus Way. And man, I hope that you have really just enjoyed this series as much as I have. Uh, I hope that you have had uh, really great small group conversations, maybe a mentoring relationship. Uh, we've really been learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, right? In a culture that, uh, that has... <clears throat> so much misinformation or a distorted idea of what truth is, uh, we have the very word of God. We have the very teachings of Jesus Christ himself uh, in this book we call the Bible, which is living and active and powerful and useful in our lives. And so uh, hopefully over the last few weeks, you've really been challenged, that you've been enjoying it. We've seen uh, how wonderful Jesus is. And how great of a communicator is, right? Uh, he is, right? We, we see that he had the ability to bring the infinite wisdom of God and make it uh, available to us, make it available to his people, to us, our finite minds. And, and we see that Jesus has uh, really just kind of wowed us in this discourse of his in Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 5. That's uh, where we're going to be hanging out today. Uh, but we see that it's uh, really one of Jesus' greatest teaching. And it's important that we understand who he's communicating to. Not only is he communicating, I believe, to us today as we read his word, uh, but the context and the culture of who he's communicating to, uh, these were people who were very rooted in uh, Old Testament law and understanding of Judaism and the roots of, of Old Testament scripture. And so Jesus kind of coming on scene and giving them maybe a more robust understanding or a more complete understanding could be a little bit alarming for people. Right, like, hey, wait a minute, uh, we've heard this from the Old Testament prophets, uh, we've heard it from those who have gone before us, and now you're bringing in this new way. Like, hold on just a minute. But if you remember, uh, we started the very first week of this. This is what Jesus said before he goes in to giving this, uh, really this kind of teaching. He says, do not misunderstand why I have come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Jesus didn't, he wasn't coming to say, hey, I'm changing everything. What God once said, we're gonna actually change all of that. No, what he's saying is that I am God in the flesh and what you have heard and what you have misinterpreted and what have you, you have misunderstood, I'm now going to give you a more complete understanding. And so really the, the, the idea of this specific teaching of Jesus and what we've tried to highlight all throughout is that the, the, the law actually points forward to the way of Jesus. The law that was created actually is fulfilled. It's brought into its completion. It points to the Jesus way. And so in this series, if you've been with us, you know that we've, we've talked about things like anger and lust, uh, purity, lies and honesty, marriage. And today, uh, we are going to talk about how to be the bigger person. Now, how many of you have heard of the, the golden rule? Anybody, have you heard of the golden rule, right? The, the rule is treat others how you want to be treated. Does anyone know where that, the idea or that premise came from? Anybody know where that came from? Where? The Bible. Hey, believe it or not, it came, actually came from Jesus. And you know, the golden rule came 
in the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you just kind of fast forward two chapters later, as Jesus is giving the greatest teaching, we see this idea of the golden rule, right? We know the golden rule says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. And he says something that's really interesting here. He says this, this is the essence of all that is taught in the law and prophets. Now, remember who he's speaking to here, right? And remember what he's teaching. He's teaching to those who are very well rehearsed. And he's saying, really, the essence of the law or the heart be behind all of the law and prophets is this idea that we would treat others how we want to be treated. Isn't that interesting? And so he's really saying that relationships matter. Now, over the, the last couple of weeks as we've been digging into all of these things, isn't it interesting this theme that runs through? All of these things impact relationships, don't they? Right? Anger. Uh, many of you have been anger, angry. If you have kids, you've really been angry, right? Can I get an amen? Uh, if you're married, you've been angry. Can I get an amen there? I guess not. You guys have perfect marriages. You guys' marriage is obviously more perfect than mine, right? But that's a relationship thing. Purity. That can affect not only us, but it can affect our relationships with people, how we view people, or what we've done, how it can impact people. Uh, divorce and marriage, honesty, all of these things matter. Why? Because relationships matter. And so if we look at this golden rule and we think for just a moment, treat others how you want to be treated, uh, the, the, the question is posed, and maybe I'm the only one that is maybe thinking about this question. Well, what happens then if someone treats me in a way that I don't really want to be treated? What happens then if I, I mean, the kindness part of it, I can do that pretty well, right? I can treat others with kindness, but what happens when someone doesn't give that same kindness back to me? What happens when someone has harmed me? What happens when someone has been dishonest with me? What happens then when people aren't treating me the way that I want to be treated, you know, I, I have to be honest with you, I stand before you today, uh, when I was preparing for this message, this is something that, that really, really hit home with me, because when it comes to, uh, you know, treating other people with kindness, or even when people do harm to me, I'm not very good at being the bigger person. I mean, I have, loyalty is a big thing in my life, and so when someone does me wrong, I really have a tendency to not do the golden rule, but instead I have this thing called the Chris rule. You want to know what the Chris rule is? That rule is revenge is the best policy, amen? Right? Like, we, we know what that means. So if you do something wrong to me, I'm going to do something as bad or, if not worse, to you. Maybe so you feel it. Maybe so you understand how you've hurt me. Maybe so you can see that I deserve to be treated better. And you know, if, if you're like me, and maybe you feel that same way today, maybe your policy is your name plus policy, I believe that Jesus really, truly has something for us today. Something that can really impact us in the heart and can give us a better perspective of what it means to be the bigger person. Let's, let's pray one more time before we jump in today. Lord, Lord Jesus, God, I pray that you would do what only you can do through the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts individually. God, you know that how you've been dealing with me personally in this specific area. Would you do the same? And whoever needs to hear it today, God, because you know. Lord, I just pray that your word would be, again, living and active to us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. All right, if you've got your Bibles open, Matthew chapter 5, let's jump into the passage today. It says this in verse 38, you have heard that the law says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, when we look at this at first glance, we think, okay, Jesus, now you're talking, right? Now you're talking. So, if, if this is what I'm reading and this is what I'm hearing, then this must be right. So if someone does me wrong, I have the freedom and the ability to do whatever I want to do, right? For those who have hurt me, I'm okay to hurt them. For those who have said bad things about me, I'm okay to gossip and slander them, right? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Well, not so fast. If you know, if you remember what the, Matthew chapter 5 is, it's called the antithesis. But you hear, you have heard, but I say... And so what Jesus is doing, again, he's bringing a more complete understanding. And listen to what he says, starting in verse 39. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, Carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You know, here's what I think is going on here. I think Jesus is God and so he knows their hearts, first of all. And I, I think he knows that they have been misinterpreting. They've been actually forming the law to uh, really get to their agenda. And they've been doing this with basically all of the laws. And so what they've been doing here is they're kind of shaping and uh, uh, misformulating or miscalculating a law that was given. It was a law of the time called the lex talionis. And this was kind of known as the eye for an eye principle. And really what the lex talionis was, was to say this punishment will fit the crime. It was meant to be a law thing that promoted equitable justice. And so if there was something that happened, they would come up with a punishment that would be suitable for the crime. It wouldn't be too high and it wouldn't be too low. But what was happening is the Pharisees, as they are always misshaping and, and mis, you know, forming the law to what they wanted, they were using this for revenge, for a vengeance type policy. And so Jesus is getting to the heart. You know, they, were, they would say, uh, if someone punches you, you can punch them back, right? If someone says something bad about you, go ahead and, and, and say something back bad to them. You know, if someone is a Green Bay Packers fan, humiliate them at all costs, right? Can I get an amen? There's only one Green Bay Packers fan that I know who's in here, and I always make fun of them when he's here. So, but here's, here's really what's happening, in this, this scenario, and I, I think it, it's clear all throughout, they were taking the law and they were making it what they wanted it to be. You see, isn't it, isn't it true that there are things in our life that we, that, that, that we may get from God's word, that we pick out the things that we like and maybe push away the things that might be a little bit obtrusive? Right? We take something that, that God says to us and we, we say, well, what about this? Or maybe this is okay, right? And we, we kind of formulate and, and do what we want to do with God's direction and his standard for our life. What they were saying is, look, I'm going to take this law and I'm going to make it a policy in personal relationships. Revenge is the best policy. And Jesus said, well, wait just a minute. My way is different. The Jesus way is different, and I've come to give you the intent and the fulfillment 
of the law. And so what Jesus does in response is I think he gives us kind of four ways of how to be the bigger person in verses 39 through 42. And very quickly, uh, we're just going to run through those. The first is this. The first thing that we can do in being the bigger person is that we can take an insult when we want to hit back. Take an insult when we want to hit back. Now, you know, we look at this word, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, that immediately goes physical, right? We think of a slap. Uh, But I think what's happening here is Jesus is getting to a deeper issue because, I mean, have you ever heard of of the saying, you know, when someone insults you or a a metaphor of someone that hurts you or harms you with their words, they say, man, that was a real slap to the face, right? It wasn't an actual slap to the face, but it was an insult, And you see, I think what Jesus is saying, it's more than just physical. When someone does you wrong or when someone criticizes you or hurls insults to you, to be the bigger person means to say that I have enough confidence in who I believe that God says that I am that I can turn the other cheek. You know, when Jesus was saying when someone offends you or when someone does something to you, literally turn the other cheek towards them. And this goes for everyone, every relationship, friends, families, coworkers, whatever relationship it is. You know, they they would have read this scripture in the Old Testament in in Leviticus chapter 19 in verses 17 through 18. He says, do not nurse hatred in you or in your heart for any of your relatives. Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sin. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Do you remember what Jesus said? The most important thing that you can do is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But something is equally as important. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, what he's doing is he's bringing completion to an understanding of an Old Testament law. And here's what I want us to know, because when I look at this at face value, is this not one of the most difficult things to do in our life? When someone harms you, it is not human nature to say, harm me again, right? I mean, maybe it's just me, but when someone harms me, the natural defense mechanism for me is to say, wait, you have harmed me, and so now I'm going to protect myself. I'm not going to allow you to do this anymore. In fact, you've harmed me so much that I'm going to do my best to harm you back. As you have hurt me, I'm now going to hurt you, and that goes against everything that Jesus is saying here. Instead, what he's saying is that we need to understand our security in our relationship with God to say, no matter what anybody says to us or about us, that we should have the ability to say, you know what? I'll take another one. So much easier said than done, but that is what God calls us to do. That's the Jesus way. You know, I think oftentimes when people maybe say mean things or, or, or do whatever they do to us, I really think that that comes from a place of insecurity in them. And, and here's, as I was praying about this message, and, and really some of the things that I struggle with, I'm telling you, when someone harms me, my defense mechanism is to, to ignore you, the silent treatment, to make you feel how you've hurt me. Usually probably doesn't work. But here's what, but here's what I feel like God was sharing with me this week, and maybe this is for someone in here. Don't let someone in their own insecurity ruin the security that you have in a God who loves you more than you can even begin to imagine. Do not be trapped in the insecurity of anyone else. Instead, would we be secure in what God thinks and believes about us that we would be able to say, 
take another. Because I know who I am in the one who created me to do great works. Friends, we have the ability to, to rest in the assurance of what God thinks about us and believes about us and wants to use us for. And, and would we say, okay, regardless of what people say, I can take, I can take it. I can turn the other cheek as hard as it is. The second thing I think we can see uh, in Jesus' teaching here in verse 40 is to be a blessing when you have every right not to be. You know, in, in verse 40, what Jesus does is he moves into a legal context again. I think he, he knows what he's doing here. He's, he's very intentional about what he's doing. So he moves into this legal context, and when we read the Scripture, he's literally talking about a court of law where someone is suing someone. And so it's this idea maybe where we owe somebody something. And so Jesus is saying when, when someone comes to collect that debt or when someone comes to sue you, you should give them your, your shirt or your tunic. But there's, the Jesus way says that you don't just stop with your T-shirt. What you do is you move on to your coat. You give them more. And you're, you're like, wait a minute, what? So not only am I have a, are they treating me bad, but now they're, they're charging me something, and now you want me to give them more? Like, like, are you crazy? This just sounds super, super crazy. And you know, what I think Jesus is doing here when he's talking about this, this idea of, of being sued or owing money, I think he understands our heart when it comes to money. <laughs> Money makes people do crazy things, right? It makes us do things that we would never, ever do before. And he's getting to the heart of it. He's saying, if you owe someone and they come after you for your shirt, give them your coat too. But there's something much, much more deeper here that we need to understand. The, the cloak or the coat, as Jesus is talking about here, this was a, a given right to a Jewish person. Like, it's, in the Old Testament, if we move to Exodus chapter 22, in verse 25 through 27, it says, If you lend money to anyone, any of my people, with you, you who is poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him, and you shall not exact interest from him. Again, I think God's highlighting money and greed here, which is what we do. If ever you take your neighbor's cloak in pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is the only covering, and it is his cloak for his body. And what else shall he sleep? There's this idea that the cloak was a given right. That if, someone, if you owed somebody money or if you made a pledge with your cloak, that person, the money lender, would have to give before sunset, they'd have to give the coat back. Because that was what protected them. That is what kept them warm at night. That is literally what they slept with. And so what Jesus was saying, you know all of this. And so not are you to give your shirt, but you're also to give your coat too. And I think what he's trying to do is to help them understand that the Jesus way is so different than what the normal way of living is. The Jesus way is so different that says that, listen, even when you've been done wrong, even when you owe somebody something that you should rightfully pay it back, but be generous and give more. Give your coat too. And this would have been like a, a, a what? What are you, are you crazy, Jesus? Like this is just, this is crazy. What he was trying to do, he was trying to get them to change their perspective on what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ. On what it meant that it wasn't about what we could get or what we could hold on to or how much we had or our status or our wealth or our coat, but instead it was to say that everything that I have I give back 
or I give away so that someone could experience the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Because listen what it says in Exodus. And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. You see, our God is a compassionate God. And Jesus is saying, we too are to be compassionate people. We too are to be the ones that go above and beyond in what we do and how we do it to the world. You know, what, what he's doing is he's changing their perspective. Now, again, you might be like, okay, well, this is really, really easy for God to say because he's God. He does no wrong. You know, he has love and he has all these things. But really, God's just giving me more rules to follow. But here's what I want us to understand. God never asks us to do something that he hasn't done before. God never asks us to be giving if he hasn't given. And, and this is a clear picture of that. Listen in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Listen, though he was God, Jesus was God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. He left the comfort of heaven, being worshipped by the angels, and he stepped from heaven to earth into this world for you and for me, into the sin-filled world, he who was without sin. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born a human being, and when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. You see, God doesn't, Jesus doesn't say, here's a new way, you have to do all of these things. No, he demonstrated it. He demonstrated it himself. So much so that he didn't just give his, his shirt or his clothing or his cloak. But what he did was he gave his entire life in the most brutal form. He took on the weight and the punishment of your sin and my sin on the cross. That is sacrifice. That is giving of something that was his right as God. He did it for you and for me. And so what does that mean for us? I mean, I think that means then we should imitate Christ. We should do everything in our power as Christ followers to live, to honor him, the Jesus way. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 21 through 23, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. We failed that already. <laughs> he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. How many of us are good at that? <laughs> he left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Living the Jesus way isn't easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to mean things are going to be difficult for us. We're going to experience suffering. It's, it's going to be super hard, but it's worth it, friends. It's worth it, not only in our relationships with people, but, but it'll be worth it for eternity. You see, God says this. The Jesus way says, go above and beyond, even when it doesn't feel right. Third thing that we see in, in this passage is to go the extra mile when you get a tough assignment. Jesus then goes back and he puts himself in the context of the culture that's going on and he's speaking uh, to this audience who are under Roman oppression. And what would happen in, this, uh, in the, the oppression of Rome is a soldier could at any time stop and tell you to pick up his, his bag or to pick up all of his stuff and to carry it for a Roman mile. Literally, it's like a walking a mile with their stuff. And so this didn't matter where you were going you know, you might have been going out on the town. This, this might have meant that you've been working all day from sunup till sundown just to earn a wage. No matter where you were, who you were, where you were going, a Roman soldier could say, pick up my stuff and I want you to take it 
for a mile. And, and listen to what Jesus says. He says, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Like, what? What are you talking about, Jesus? This, this is crazy. And not only is this difficult, but it's humiliating. Like, here I am carrying someone else's stuff. Jesus is saying, not just one, not just two. All of these things are so unnatural for us. But he says, do not do the bare minimum. If you're called to do something, even something difficult, do the best of you can and more. That's what Jesus is saying here. That's the Jesus way. And you know what's interesting about this? We don't see this idea, it was called impressment, Roman impressment. We don't see this communicated anywhere else in Scripture except for uh, when Jesus was carrying the cross. And you remember what happened to Simon the Cyrene, right? The soldiers made Simon carry the cross. And isn't it interesting that Jesus uses it here in this passage to highlight, listen, when you're asked to do something, go the extra mile. When it's one mile, no, do two. Why? Not just to do something good, because what you do will impact others. Other people are watching you. I tell my kids this all the time. They're in junior high. Well, one's going to high school now. People are watching you because you're different. When they see you do something above and beyond, you are portraying the image and the very likeness of Christ. You see, what this wasn't just saying, oh, just do what, you're, do what you're doing and then go an extra mile and that's enough. What this literally meant is that a soldier at any time, after I walked my mile, I put the stuff down, he could have said, well, now it's your turn to walk the next mile. And what Jesus was saying, well, look, what you do impacts the next person because you're taking a second mile. And you see, all of those things, they point people to the way of Jesus. And that's what he's asking us to do, to go above and beyond, to impact others, to impact the way people perceive us. And as they perceive us, that they would see the love and the mercy and the compassion of a God who loves us. Let's look at, uh, we'll end with this. It's the last thing that we see in, in the passage today. Be generous when you find someone in need. You know, the final illustration that Jesus gives is this idea of generosity. Um, my, my wife is really good at this. I'm, I'm not at all good at this. Uh, my wife, um, she takes a portion of our tithe every month, um, a portion of our income, and she breaks a, a couple hundred dollars down into $20 bills. And what she does is she just kind of goes out and does life. And if she feels like God's pressing it on her heart to give someone $20, she'll do that. And so this could be, you know, people that are on the side of the road. It could be some people, we've had some work done at our house. She'll give some people extra money. It could be a complete stranger. I will tell you, she's never given me $20. I don't know why, but, but, but she's, she's super, super duper generous this way. And I'm just not, like, I'm not that guy. It's not a gift that God's given me. But I've seen over the years how not only has it impacted her, but it's impacted so many people. I remember when we were first married, I was kind of the man of the house. You know, I was becoming a new husband, and so I took over the finances. And, man, we, we, we had both had jobs, and we thought we were doing okay, but we were always short every month. Like, literally, we never had any extra money. And my wife was like, well, what is going on with our finances? She said, are you tithing? Are you giving? And I was like, no, what, what, what is that? You know, like giving, what does that even mean? And she, I was like, what, do you see our bills? Like you see where we're at. How can we afford to give? And she said something, I may have shared this before, but she said something to me that I will never forget. It changed my life forever. It actually changed our lives forever. She says, we can't afford not to give. Friends, everything that we have, and I don't share that story to puff up my wife or to puff up us in giving, but everything that we have 
is God's. Everything, our money, the very breath that we breathe, our relationships, every single thing that we have is God's. And when we can begin to have the perspective that in his generosity he gives to us and the natural overflow would be that we're generous, not just to people in need. When we begin to understand the Jesus way, it will impact us forever. It impacts the way we view our relationships. It impacts the way we view our money. It impacts everything. It's all God's. And from that moment on, we, 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 we've given every single month in our 20, I think we've been married 20 years now. I should know that, about 20. And God has been faithful and generous to us all along the way. You know, why do I think Jesus is saying this? I, I think every single one of us in here is very, 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 very blessed in different ways. And, and God's saying, look, here's what I want you to understand. The Jesus way is that it's not all yours. It's all mine. Use it. Use it for advancing the kingdom of heaven. Use it for advancing people. Use it for helping people in the flock. Use it for helping strangers. Point people to me. With what I've blessed you with, would you bless others? How do you do this? I mean, it might be that you start giving to strangers. I don't know. Maybe it's that you step out in faith and start giving to your local church, whether that's here or somewhere else. Maybe it's that you say, listen, I'm going to give what God has given me back to God and let him do what he wants to do with it. Because when we have the perspective that it's all God, it changes everything. You see, this is so contrary, so contrary to what we believe. And I think it was contrary to what they believe. Listen to what it says. If there are any poor Israelites in, in your towns, when you arrive in the land of the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because a, a year for canceling debts is close at hand. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Why is God saying this? Because I think this is unnatural to us. We are a selfish people. What's mine is mine. What I've worked for is mine, right? But God is saying, no, 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 no. It's all mine, and bless others with it. And here's what I want us to see. We're going to end with this. It says, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. It doesn't say then. God will bless you in everything you do. It says, for the Lord, your God will bless you in everything you do. What that means is that God literally is the one who gives out every blessing. And he doesn't do it based on our response. He doesn't do that based on our merit. He does that because he is a generous, giving God. And here's what I want you to know today in this room. If you've never experienced a relationship with God, maybe you're here seeking for the first time. This is how he demonstrated it in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. You see, God didn't say it's all mine. He says it's all yours. All you have to do is receive and when you receive, it changes your life. It literally, you inherit the kingdom of heaven, the righteousness of God, all of the blessings from him. And then, not only do we inherit that, but we inherit this. We inherit a new heart, a clean heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, and I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn, calloused heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. We believe in God. He resides in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we begin to live the Jesus way. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much. 
I thank you that you are constantly working on me and my heart. I pray that you would do the same with your people. It's just the kind of God you are. God, there are people in this room that that need to understand all of these things that you're talking about isn't just being a bigger person, but it's going above and beyond. It's going above and beyond in in how we interact with with relationships, how we give to people, how we give of our time, treasure, and talent. God, being a part of your, your spirit and your culture means that we do things differently. God, wherever we're at in our journey, would you help us to take the next step on that journey in following you? It's in your name we pray. Amen.